Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Welcome to episode 173, going to the hardware store for bread. If you've never heard this expression before, I actually forgot about it for a while and it popped into my brain and I was like, I have got to do an episode about this. I really appreciate you tuning into the episode, even if you have no idea where this episode is going. Stay with me. But first, I want to take care of a couple of orders of business. One is, I just want to share that I got off my one-on-one coaching call. I I coach, currently I'm coaching three one-on-ones. I I actually have a room available for one more one-on-one client. So if you are interested in working with me one-on-one, head to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and apply. I have been working with this woman on and off for a couple of years, and she is just absolutely incredible and came to me so stuck in a relationship that really has been so freaking painful and hard. She's finally out of it. But just because we get out of really heartbreaking relationships doesn't mean like, oh, I'm finally out of this relationship where this person was so horrific to me. There's still wounds to heal, as many of you so well know. When I got out of my rock bottom relationship, you can refer to episode five, my heartbreak story, that really is the big story in my life that led me onto this path of being a heartbreak finding love coach. You know, he was so awful to me, so abusive, so manipulative, just lied to me all the time while promising me the sun, the moon, and the stars, had a separate relationship. I had a memory pop up in my brain about something that he said to me, and I I have deleted pretty much everything, but I had to dig up some old things that I could find because another woman was taking him to court um, several years ago and reached out to me for support and any kind of evidence on his character that I could show in an affidavit against him. So I was willing to do that as uncomfortable as it was because I was so fucking over this horrific human getting away with emotionally abusing women. I know it's horrific that physical violence happens against women, sexual violence happens against women. I just fucking wish that people could go to jail for emotional violence because it actually does take a physical toll on your life and impacts all the other areas of your life. And I can't imagine if I was a mom, I know moms experience this with their partners or fathers as well. I'm just speaking in heteronormative terms. I do coach women only. And um, of course, uh, gay women are welcome. Bisexual women are welcome. I do just solely coach women. I still was reeling after that relationship. I still had some residual longing despite all the horrible things that he did to me. I also was feeling so much shame for staying as long as I did with the information that I had about him because I was just so desperate and so terrified to not be without him. My brain believed at the time that him being in my life was better than not having him because I couldn't imagine loving someone ever again the way that I loved him. And I couldn't imagine someone loving me the way he loved me because that was the best kind of love I had received 
by that time in my life at 29, 30 years old, I'm now 41, which is just crazy. It's crazy. Now that I am in my dream relationship with my dream man and life partner, Larry, I just, you know, it is what it is. There's no shame attached to it. But I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I get how I thought that. I get how my clients think this all the time. He's the best I'm ever going to get. I can't imagine having another connection like that. But today, my client said to me, I feel finally excited about the possibility that there really could be someone better for me out there. She was reeling. She was longing for him. She was pining for him. She was desperate for him. She was so sad. She didn't know anything else. She got together with him very young And it was all she knew. It was all I knew. And I didn't realize that there was so much going on that wasn't okay. Well, that's not true or fair to say. There was so much going on that I didn't like, but I thought, oh, but he loves me. So, you know, this is like what you do for love. I'm also a six on the Enneagram, the loyalist. So I was loyal to a fault. And I think that this client is too, or was too. And just today, she just had a major breakthrough. And we were talking about so much more about her future today versus reeling over him. And how couldn't he, how come he couldn't get it together for me? How come he couldn't fight for me? And, you know, the bottom line is narcissistic sociopaths don't think that there's anything wrong with them. Narcissistic sociopaths will always think it's you. You, you will never win. You can be on your bestest of behaviors. You can scale back. You can just keep quiet and not say a thing about all of his horrific things that he says and does to you. You could just sit back and do nothing and you would still be the problem. You would still be the devil in his eyes. And today she just said, I finally feel the excitement about the possibility that there really could be someone better for me out there. So I just wanted to share that because I'm so lit up. I I never do Instagram reels. I did one with, I'm so excited. I couldn't help myself. I was so excited. I got teary on the call with her. I had chills all over my body. She's been so consumed about what's going on in his life and his brain and what he's thinking and what he's doing. And she has also just risen to the occasion with my coaching every single week every single week, showing up, reaching out with the on-call support, leaning in, trusting me, even though all she was feeling was the only way that she was going to feel better. All she was thinking was the only way she was going to feel better was if he came back to her. And now we're shifting into possibility. Now, that doesn't mean she isn't going to get new pe- a new piece of information and be triggered and feel really sad again. Of course not. It's fresh. It's new. It's, you know, a nonlinear process, as I always say, but it's moments like this. She literally said, I see the light. I really can see the light. And I just think that that's incredible. I just realized I didn't tell her, make sure that she listens to my last week's episode, how to bottle up the good feels. Spoiler alert, but you guys really should all listen to it. Bottling up the good feels never works. Life isn't supposed to be a hundred percent good feels all the time, but what do we do when we're not feeling good, it's how how we handle that that will ironically give us more feels. But if you want to hear more about that, for sure, check out last week's episode. We'll link that up in the show notes. One more order of business. That was just a little share. I was too excited to not share. And 
I want to just also share one order of business. As you guys know, I have been running my group program. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, for the last almost year and a half, it's called Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, just like this podcast. It's for all women. Doesn't matter your sexual orientation. So much magic has been happening in this group. It's incredible. I'm in awe of the clients who I am attracting. And no, I am not ending the program. (laughs) But I did make a big change in the program that I wanted to share with you guys because I'm always sharing the details of what's happening in that program. And I know every week I get applications and I know that a lot of you are listening and hemming and hawing. Should I do it? Should I not? So I always like to let you know what's happening inside the group. I've talked about this one component called Ask a Coach in the group where you can write in anytime and get a coached response. And I've realized as much as there's been a lot of magic with Ask a Coach with the written question and a written coached response, it really was turning into something that was much more complicated than what I would have hoped for it to be. And I understand now after looking at it for a year and a half, tweaking things for a year and a half, tweaking guidelines, reminding them of the guidelines, and even reminding myself of the guidelines is that heartbreak is just a complicated topic. Finding love and dating is a complicated topic. I have a 60-course video that you can gain access to in that member portal, or you can buy the 60-video course separately. Just go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com, click on the Work With Me page, and click on Buy My Course. And the reason why there's 60 videos and why I am going to be shooting more videos in the fall to add to the course. So if you have the course, nothing changes. You have lifetime access to this course, but I am going to continue to always make it better for you guys. And I've learned so much through coaching the women in the last year and a half in the uh, one-year group program is that there's just always an exception to the rule when it comes to heartbreak dating and relationships. I have loose rules and I have a pretty I don't want to say rigid, but I have a very clear five-step process for stopping wanting him back, a clear five-step process for falling in love with you. But I would actually, as I say that, see, I keep, you hear, you hear me do this on the podcast a lot, right? It's like I have a big statement or opinion about something and then someone can throw me, well, what about this in this case? And be like, oh, well, then that would be different. And so what ended up happening in Ask a Coach is that it just, it became lengthy essay responses, essay explanations from the clients, essay explanations from me. No, no one's fault. I don't think it's my fault. I don't think it's their fault. It's just that the written word is also often misconstrued. So people would be triggered or misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm misunderstanding what they're saying and not really understanding their question. So really overall became a much bigger headache, I think, for both myself and the client. And 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 ultimately, majority of the people in the program were not using it regularly enough. It just, it was not, as I, I described when I shared it with the group, who have all been okay with it and understanding because I coached deeply on the decision and I got coached deeply on the decision and I spent a lengthy amount of time speaking of taking so much time to write something. I sent them an epic long email just giving them my why of why I think taking it away was so important. However, I'm replacing Ask a Coach with adding a fourth live group coaching call a week. So now the group program will be four calls a week. That's 208 calls a year. 
And if some of you are listening, being like, yeah, but it's not 208 calls with me. I need the one-on-one attention. I have just told one of my one-on-one clients that she needs to be in the group. She needs to see how what I am saying to her is no different than what I say to anybody else. And when you see another woman who is just bright and amazing and huge-hearted and hilarious and just so intelligent, but just so blinded and so stuck in this dating or heartbreak situation, and you see her struggling Then you recognize, wow, it really is so easy to see from the outside. But when you are in it, it's so hard to see it. But when you start to see other women getting coached on the same things and the same blocks and the same challenges that you're experiencing, your brain is going to open up to what's really going on to free yourself and to give you the clarity and the strength and uh, really the belief of that love and happiness is possible for you when you see like-minded women doing the exact same amount of work that you are and showing up for the same work that you are. So I wanted to share that change. Thanks for sticking with me almost 13 minutes into this podcast, but I really wanted to share that big client win. This work works when you just keep showing up consistently through the resistance. That's what the women in the group are also doing. I coached six women during one one hour call. It went like over 10 minutes last week. So much magic, so much breakthroughs, so many wins. And I really believe taking away Ask a Coach is going to invite the ladies in this program now to step up to the plate and take advantage of the calls and really know that seeing each other and speaking to each other and addressing the question in the moment is so much more powerful than writing in a question, waiting for my response within a day. And by the time my response comes back, maybe something new happened. Maybe you're not as upset about it anymore. Maybe you just have like a completely different thing that happened that's more upsetting to you. Or what I say is like, doesn't make sense to you. It just, it became a a much bigger headache than it was serving them. Even though, of course, there was a lot of magic going on, I believe that I can serve my clients at the highest level when I'm seeing them and hearing them. And I'm just so excited about a fourth call. I feel like it's you know, the actress in me feels like it's a it's a live theater performance in a way. Not that I think I'm performing as a coach for them, but that it's like I just it's like an improv experience. I never know who is going to bring what to me on that call. And there's just so much magic that unfolds. And trust me, you want to be in this group. Head to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and apply. Last thing I'm going to say is the price is going up for the program because there is so much freaking value. There's so much proof of concept that I now have over the last year and a half. Women are healing their hearts. Women are finding love. Women are re-upping the program because they are so happy with being in this room, being in this conversation, elevating themselves to the next level. They're so inspired by each other. And I just feel so honored to have attracted these women. Are you next? Okay. So what am I talking about here? Going to the hardware store for bread. So you know how you can reflect back on amazing advice that you got that you just couldn't see or take back years ago or even last week? 
I was given this expression by my wonderful therapist, Ashley Graber, back in the day. We don't work together anymore, but she's now a dear friend and a colleague. We've referred clients to each other because there really is a difference between coaching and therapy. And I believe both are really, really powerful healing modalities. And I remember her saying to me regarding an ex, she would say, it's like you're going to the hardware store looking for bread. Like you're going to him to give you something that is not available from him to you. You're going to him looking for something like reassurance, security, love, affection, emotional availability, and like expecting him to have it, but he just doesn't have it to give. You would never go to the hardware store looking for bread. And I remember her saying it, and I, of course, understood what she meant, but I didn't really understand how someone could be incapable of just giving me what I want in a romantic relationship, especially when there's chemistry and fun and fireworks and just a good time and getting each other and having deep conversations, which then makes me think that they're emotionally available. And, you know, if he really cared, wouldn't he stay for me? And really what I want to spell out to all of you who are heartbroken and struggling is it's not about you. And I mean that in the best of ways, because then it's easy. I know my brain went there, but I want it to be about me. And if he would make it about me, then maybe he would stay. (laughs) I totally get it. But when you're emotionally unavailable or you're an addict or you're a narcissist, like a full-blown narcissist, or you're a narcissistic sociopath or just a sociopath, there's all different levels of uh, these traits that you can have in your personality or that your person can have in their personality, it doesn't matter how many hoops you jump through or how, like, I mean, I think about all the, the ways that my clients think that they're not enough. I wasn't pretty enough, thin enough, successful enough, patient enough. I didn't give them enough space. I was too needy, right? It's like an available person who's interested in you isn't going to not be able to give you the things. I say all the time, Larry, my partner is just the most amazing available man. And he's seen lots of not great sides of me, even in the beginning of our relationship. I mean, I really like to think that I was for the most part on my best behavior with him, but there were moments that he didn't see my best side. And because he was emotionally available and very interested in me and could see me for the whole picture he stayed because we're signing up for the whole person. And when you are newly getting to know someone and figuring out if you're attracted, if you've got things in common, if you're compatible, if you're looking for the same things, there's never any guarantee in every relationship, as I always say. But really, in the beginning, you have to really do your best to not assume that this person is a relationship person and wants a relationship and wants the things I want, even if he fucking says that that's what he wants. Because when you meet a complete stranger, especially off the internet, and this does not mean you shouldn't online date because I'm at the love of my life on Bumble. You're welcome. When you meet a complete stranger, you cannot expect or assume that they are looking for the same thing that you are looking for, even if they say that that's what it is. Saying you want a relationship and saying you want a future and saying you want to settle down doesn't really mean 
that you're looking for the same type of relationship. What a couple of my clients are discovering right now in these new relationships that they are exploring in my group program is the guy that they're seeing isn't really interested in a lot of quality time, but he says he wants a relationship. Now, there could be two people who are compatible who don't want quality time or a ton of quality time. That would work for them. That's not working for some of my clients in my program. And that's what we really get into and get clear on. What are the non-negotiables and the negotiables that you are looking for in a partnership? We get as clear of an idea as we possibly can, but then we meet someone who, I don't know, may not officially be divorced yet with four children living 80 miles away, (laughs) like in my situation. And yet I was still open because it seemed to be in the beginning that he was an amazing, attractive, brilliant, a fun, lovely man who was showing up, who I was curious enough to explore further, even though it wasn't exactly the biggest plan up my sleeve to find someone with four children and ultimately decide to not have my own. You know, we can only plan for so much. So the reason why this idea of this analogy, I guess, is the best way to describe it, is came to my mind is because I was coaching a woman who's in my group and she just ended a six-week relationship. I mean, you can't even call it a relationship. She just ended a, a situationship, if you will, dating a man for six weeks. The way I see it is she got all the information she needed within six weeks That's fucking amazing because she came into the program taking months to get over a guy she was with for a year who was giving her all these empty promises and ultimately couldn't deliver on them, wouldn't deliver on them, and then making so much meaning out of her worth about it and convincing herself that he was like so great when it was clear as fucking day, all the details that she was giving me revealed that he was not that great. And so this guy shows up. He seems to be showing up in ways that the last guy didn't, wanting to spend so much time with her, almost to the point that I said, this is too much time. I really believe one of the components of taking things slowly that I discuss in my course and my program is you shouldn't be going out on more than two dates a week with with one person in the very beginning. You don't want to be showing all your cards. You don't want to be too available. I don't consider that game playing. I just I encourage you to stay in your very full, happy life and also continue to explore other dating options. Because again, you do not know this person. You can decide you're attracted. You can decide you have the feels. We can't control those things, but you can absolutely decide to take things slowly, be as eyes wide open, and you don't have to be available for every time he asks you to go out. And when I say you don't have to be available for every time he asks you to go out, that includes even if you are technically available with a slot on your calendar. So let's say you're completely free, but you've already been out with him two nights and he wants to see you a third night. I would highly recommend that you say no. Now, then, of course, this is a perfect example. What are the exceptions to the rule? Well, he has kids and He's going to have them for the following week. So if I don't see him for the third date this week, I won't see him for another week and a half. So 
he really wanted to see if I could see him one more time because then there's going to be a gap. Of course, go on the third date. But I just don't recommend going super fast, super soon. Anyway, this client really took my coaching. She slowed things down. She said she wasn't available all the time. It was really uncomfortable for her. And he was talking about trips with her. He was showing her his credit card statements. He wanted her to look at houses with her. He was talking about how he wanted to look for a house with an extra room because she has a kid and he has a kid. It was a lot. And I said, okay, but he could just be very excited. He got heartbroken from his marriage. You know, here's the deal. It's a lot, but he was showing up. He seemed to be respectful when she slowed it down, et cetera. But she was still feeling anxious. As I have said, I felt very anxious when I met Larry too. We're not trying to make the anxiety go away when we start to like someone again. That is not what I am selling with my coaching. It's how we manage the anxiety and how we consciously take actions and don't react from the anxiety towards him or towards ourselves. That is what is is the best way to describe how I work in terms of finding your someone better. We're not making it go away. We are navigating when it inevitably comes up. Most of you are coming into this group or coming to me one-on-one because you're dealing with a traumatic situation or you were in a traumatic situation or a very heartbreaking situation. And so your brain, of course, is going to start to freak the fuck out even when a nice guy who's showing up comes along. And so we just got to slow it down, be eyes wide open, deliberate and intentional and move through the anxiety consciously. We are not trying to get rid of it. And so ultimately, she got coached on not trying to lock down the relationship six weeks in. I also think trying to lock down a relationship too soon is not a good idea because you haven't spent enough time together. The way I like to say it is, he needs to see you on your period and deal (laughs) with your alter ego, Sharon. Sorry, no offense to anybody out there whose name is Sharon. I just pulled that out of my ass. But, you know, like it takes way more time to get to know someone to lock things down in six weeks. That's just my general thought. Again, I get into all of this in the course and in the program. I'm saying a lot here, but I'm really trying to paint the picture for you. She was like super slow, taking things slowly. And then she got super anxious, wanted to lock it down. And ultimately he just gave her a whole pile of poo in response and wasn't ready to be exclusive. Now, for any of you listening right now, it's like, well, it's because she asked him too soon and she shouldn't have asked him too soon. And maybe if she waited, hell no. I totally disagree. I think if I asked Larry six weeks into us dating for exclusivity, he probably would have been uncomfortable, but I know that there was enough of a spark and he was looking for the same things I was looking for. He would have just said, listen, I really do want to keep seeing you. I'm guessing. I haven't asked him this. I'm actually curious and I'm going to ask him later. (laughs) I would say... Yeah, I bet he would have said something like, look, you know, I'm just really trying to take things slowly. I would guess he would probably say I'm not really interested in anybody else. I would like to just see you, but the exclusivity feels a little too soon. But I really want to see you and I hope that we can continue to see each other. And um, that is something that I want to move towards or something. But this guy was like, you can see other people. I'm not seeing other people, but also I don't want it to be exclusive. And I was like, that is a pile of poo. It is. It's just a pile of poo. And it turned out she hadn't seen him for 12 days prior. I'm like, what? Part of it was because he was away, but another part of it was because he had his kids. But I was like, has he never heard of getting his kids a sitter? Like the whole thing just didn't add up, right? And ultimately she's now reeling super upset. And what does she do? She goes to her girlfriends who then tell her, yeah, you tried to lock it down so soon and he was so nice. Why did you do that? You scared him off. 
She went to the hardware store looking for bread. She went to her girlfriends who have not been doing this work. And I I am sensitive to sounding like I think I'm the god of heartbreak dating and relationships. Do I think I am the coach for heartbreak dating and relationships? Yes. And I think that you want your coach to think that they are the best at what they do and so confident that they can get you the results or co-create the results. I don't believe I get my clients' results. I believe my clients get their own results when they are really coachable and they take my coaching for the most part. I think of it as a collaborative experience. But I'm not trying to sound godlike here or like I'm Little Miss Know-It-All, but I guess that is what I am saying. (laughs) I am Little Miss Know-It-All when it comes to heartbreak, dating, and relationships. She's invested thousands of dollars with me as her coach. And naturally she goes to her girlfriends. I don't know their dating history or whatever, but the same client has told me about other girlfriends saying shit to her. That's just like not helpful and not true. This guy, it's not not working out with this guy because she asked him for exclusivity and he said he wasn't ready. And to her credit, she was like, then I just feel like I'm going to be waiting. It's like, it's not like in the next month, he's all of a sudden going to be like, you know what? Now I want exclusivity. There just, there was something that was not right. I am convinced that the anxiety that she was feeling was a gut feeling that she knew he wasn't available. And then she just started giving me all these like extra details about like the credit card statement and certain weird things that he was saying that I was like, yeah, I didn't know these things. You didn't tell me these things. But anyway, nothing went wrong. She was with him for six weeks. As far as I see it, even though I don't recommend you try to lock it in six weeks in, I'm actually glad that she did. I think it worked out in her favor. She got the information she needed. She didn't have to wait another six weeks for him to to give her the same fucking answer when she asked him again. Am I getting heated right now? Yes, I am. I'm heated when my clients go to their friends who are not doing this work, who have not done in-depth research on who the unavailable person is many women are dating who I coach and they just throw out their opinions that make you feel worse and have you just spiral more. In the beginning of my course, stop wanting him back and find someone better. The course again is in the member portal. You would gain access to it in the program, or you can just purchase the course. In the introduction section, I have a whole video on enlisting three loved ones who are going to learn about the process that you were doing with me as your coach. It is so easy. This work, this coaching work is not easy, right? And you're like basically learning a whole new language and perspective on yourself and relationships and being single at whatever age you are and really creating a whole new up-leveled, self-empowered, healed story about your past relationships and creating a whole new skill set about how you're going to attract the right partnership. Of course, your girlfriends who might be married for 20 years or who have never been on the dating apps or who are single themselves and unconsciously dating and just think it's just the dating app suck and all the good ones are gone, right? Like those are the people that you're talking to are going to inflict those kinds of opinions on you. But meanwhile, you're in this coaching program to elevate the way you're thinking about things and own the fuck out of the fact that thank God you got that information now so you can nip him in the bud and get back on the dating horse and consciously date to attract your right person. She went to the hardware store looking for bread with those women's opinions. And it reminded me of like me doing that pretty much my entire adult life. I became 
And I decided I graduated a semester early from college because I knew I wanted to go back to New York where I'm from. My parents live just north of the city. Right, New York, represent. They were letting me live at home. I was working in a clothing store. I was in acting class and I had the flexibility from my boss um, to go in for auditions whenever I got an audition. It was like such a great setup. I was like such a hustler. But I also was like, hearing from people saying like, well, you're only going to be doing this for so long, right? Like at some point, if you don't make it, like, what do you think your backup plan is? And it'd be so easy for me to get into that energy and start thinking about backup plan energy and the expiration date of when my dream gets to run out because other people think I should be doing the conventional thing. And the reason why it's so easy to be influenced, even though I have to give myself credit, the stubborn little angry Irish bitch that I was, I was like, fuck you. You don't understand. You don't know. But I would get really aggressive back. I just don't think that that's the solution either. And then now, how many years later? I mean, I was an actress for my early 20s through my mid-30s. And then when I switched to life coaching, I really got protective about who I was talking about growing my business to, including my dad. I don't know if you guys saw, I I did a beautiful post for my dad on Father's Day on Instagram. He is my hero. And he also grew up in Ireland in the 40s and 50s and is an accountant by trade. And knows nothing about being an entrepreneur or building a life coaching business in 2022 in Los Can or I mean now in Santa Barbara but like over the last few years living in LA and my life it was just so foreign to him and he really loved <laughs> to give me unsolicited business advice and finally I just said dad I know you care about me so much I know you're my biggest fan but talking about how I'm building my business when I've just invested more money than you ever want to know with a business coach. It's just, we're, we're speaking different languages when it comes to approaching my business. And so when I talk to you, it starts to stress me out. Like when you start telling me the economy is bad and so my business probably isn't going to work out, that doesn't help me. I'd rather get coaching from my coach that says, well, yeah, like the, the pandemic just happened. Guess guess what? The world needs life coaches now more than ever, right? It's like, who do I want to go to? My dad was like, oh, pandemic. Everything's falling to shit. People are losing their jobs. Everything's shutting down. Your business is going to really hurt. I'm worried. And I had a coach that was like, people have a lot of money still and they are going to be coming to you or they're going to be, you know, locked down with their really shitty partner and they're going to have to face the music and figure out a way to fix this relationship or get the fuck out of this relationship. And because I really committed to what my coach was saying versus what my parents were saying, my business blew up on a level in 2020. I think it was the best year. Yeah, it was my best business year to date. So I didn't go to the hardware store looking for bread with my dad. I learned. I also, sorry, Irene, my mom's name is Irene. She is also the love of my life, but she and I have been so similar. We've definitely butt heads more. I think we're the closest now than we've ever been. And that makes me so happy to share. But I never talked to her about my dating life after my rock bottom relationship. Not because she wasn't loving, not because she wasn't supportive. I was 
bedridden and depressed. And she was like by my side. My dad drove in in the snow to New York City and picked me up and cleared out the, my living space with my rock bottom ex. They were on my side there for me through thick and through thin. But again, Irish mother grew up in the 40s and 50s in in, in Ireland, very different upbringing, very different cultures, very different times. And as I continued to date more unavailable people, I realized, oh, she doesn't know what to do with me. We end up like butting heads more. And then I resent her. And really the reality is she cares about me so much. I'm not saying my client's friends don't care about her. They were just giving their honest opinion, but I just don't think their opinions were educated. And I don't think my dad's opinions about the pandemic and my business potentially falling to shit was an educated opinion because he didn't really understand. And that's okay. I don't think her friends meant ill will. My dad, as I said, is my hero. My mom loves me so much that it pained her to see the choices that I was making. So we'd end up butting heads. But I was like, I don't think Irene has the best dating advice for someone like me dating in, you know, 20 dating from 2012 to 2022. Now we can talk so much about my relationship with Larry and my relationship with the kids because it's healthy and it's good and it's right and it works. But it was like we were too close to each other for her to see the train wreck decisions that I was making. So originally, I was going to the hardware store for bread, hoping she would support me and and love me through it. She loved me through it, but she really couldn't support me through it because it pained her to see the things that I was doing. Whereas a qualified therapist like Ashley Graber, who introduced me to this idea of going to the hardware store looking for bread, it doesn't mean that these people are bad people. So the big example that I think we can all relate to, and my last example is, of course, going to the hardware store and looking for bread with a person who can't provide the bread. He's not available. It's not you. It's him. The only thing when I, whenever I say, I think I did a podcast episode and I'm still working on cleaning out old episodes that I don't really stand by. It takes time to listen to them and sift through and decide if I want to keep them or not. So it is a process, but I've already started deleting some. I did a podcast that said, um, oh, I think it was a title like it's you. It's not him. And the only reason why I point the finger at you is because I want you to just look at why you are needing him to be somebody that he isn't and give you something that he can't. And and I think you think because he gave it to me in the beginning, I saw that he has potential. I saw what he was capable of. I know he loves me. You can't deny that connection. It's very fucking easy to be amazing in the beginning. But then life happens. Your shit still comes up. If you haven't dealt with that shit, it's going to rear its ugly head. And in the same way that my shit reared its ugly head in every single relationship that I was moving through from my late 20s up until meeting Larry. I took a nice big chunk of time alone to date myself and up-level myself and get so fucking clear on who I wanted and how I wanted to be in my ideal relationship because I was so done with continuing to attract and yearn and pine for Mr. Unavailable after Mr. Unavailable who was never going to give me the bread because he was the hardware store. (laughs) I just love this expression. It's not personal. They're not capable. And so then what comes up? It's like, well, he's dating somebody else and she's getting bread from him, the hardware store. 
So how do you know that he's giving her what he didn't or couldn't give you? Because I got to tell you guys, word on the street is my rock bottom ex is married with a kid. I don't know. Maybe he has a second one. I have no idea. I stay as disconnected from that motherfucker as possible. (laughs) But he gave her marriage. He gave her a child. He promised me those things. I don't envy his wife or child an iota because I know the character he is. And maybe your person that you're pining over isn't as horrific of a human being as my rock bottom ex. But the bottom line is that the way he treated you should just be enough for you to know that doesn't work for you. Because I believe, I know this in my observation of every single client, and I would say I've worked with hundreds of clients now since I launched my business six years ago, or really went it all in on my niche for heartbreak dating and relationships. I've coached so, 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 so many women. And what I know for sure is that when we finally uncover and heal their heartbreak, they come to recognize he just was not that fucking great. He wasn't as amazing. He wasn't worth the yearning and the pining. He was just the best you had or thought you had or thought you could get. And you were hoping for him to all of a sudden become this hardware store that was going to give you bread because you needed bread and the hardware store was going to give it. Oh my God, if any of you end up walking into a hardware store and they're selling bread, I will die. You'll have to reach out and let me know. (laughs) But really and truly, I don't have a client who when they finally unpack, actually think that, oh yeah, no, he really is the best. Even if they're still like, oh, but like there's still you know, that like longing for that passion and that connection, they see how not great. And I know I'm using heteronormative terms here, but for, you know, just using that as an example, he as an example, they think he did it for them in so many ways. And maybe he did, but I'm just here to tell you And just like what my client who I referred to at the very beginning of this episode is discovering, she's finally excited about the possibility that there really could be someone better out there for her who can be a hardware store and give you bread at the hardware store. But this person who you're pining over can't do it. It's not personal. You wouldn't go into the hardware store and be like, do you guys have bread? And they're like, no, we don't sell bread. You wouldn't be like, what do you mean you don't sell bread, but I need bread. You would just go to the grocery store, i.e. Mr. Right, and get the bread there. I have loved this episode, if I say so myself. I love it because I want it to diffuse the personal. You can love your mom. You can love your dad. You can love your friends. You can love your unavailable ex, but you don't have to make it mean terrible things about them that they are just not equipped or capable to give you every single thing that you want. So what do I do when I can't, you know, have a productive conversation with my mom who's watching me choose one train wreck boyfriend after the next? I find someone who is intelligent, who has done the work herself, who is walking the walk, who's probably been there before and is on the other side of it. And if you don't have any of that and any type of person like that in your life, whether it's a professional or it's a friend, then my program is the place for you to join. You feel like even though you're not interacting because it is an anonymous container, you feel like like 
you have a bunch of friends who are moving through this heartache and abandonment and struggle to find your person together. How many times do I hear single women say, I feel like I'm the only one who's single. All my friends are married. All my friends are settled down. I feel like I'm the only one who's heartbroken. I felt that way too. You should also go find some really awesome single friends who aren't bitter Bettys and go out and have a great fucking time and live your best lives. Because I did that too towards the end of my singledom. And it's super fucking fun when you're just living your life and loving your life and having a good time while always making dating a top priority if you're ready for that stage. And if you're not sure if you are ready, again, my program is where is that. Don't forget that the price will be going up soon. I haven't ironed out the details, so you might as well just up fly now and start making the magic happen in your love lives. Come to my hardware store and get all the fucking bread you want. (laughs) So much love, my loves. Until next time. Bye. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after.